This podcast is presented by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Enjoy the presentation. I'm going to start with some poems and talk, talk shows or talk shows, however you want to think of it. Um, it's open to interpretation. And then I'll move to some more um, recent work that is in a manuscript called Public Domain. So if I'm not reading from here, I'm reading from Public Domain. It should be pretty clear. Durango, Durango. There once was a weeping willow that never wept. Maybe someone missed the weeping, or the tree just looked like it was grieving, but it wasn't because there was no reflecting pool below it. This is how one who has a story can begin a story. When one does not have a story, one can write a letter, for instance. Dear Papa, I imagine you're on your sailboat, drinking a beer and thinking about the splendid life you've got now that you keep fewer houses. I miss your Sunday sense of humor. I think about it constantly. Love, moi. P.S. Perhaps you and I could talk over the phone one of these days about, about why the only time you've ever mentioned your hometown was when you told us the story about the locals burning down a set for Western so as to heat their tortillas? Like you, I'm afraid of sounding trite when I talk about local flavor. Is that why I've got no story? There's a big lake here that you might find attractive. You could practice your water sports while I remember the right spelling for lacuna. The script. In three parts. One, you thought this would be a dance lesson. Things were easier then. No marimbas, no clarinets, only a longing for the fun to begin. Rain came down. Nothing seems as remote as the days you didn't have to think about it. Always already there, gushing out. Control was required to stop ideas from overflowing. You did your job well. You killed them as one kills Easter baby chickens. Two. Rasputin was on the lookout. Magdalene had multipurpose hair. Where? Comernus had it in stocks. Where and when she needed it. On her beard especially. Anything to keep the barbarians away will do. Chopped noses, rotten chickens stuffed in corsets, They hate recollections and certainty. Their favorite verb is sabotage. Three. Rasputin helps one to recognize inspiration, but, oh, what could imagination be? To retrieve, to plunder, to forge, to be bored, to rip kites so they may stay on the ground, to forget jokes and misunderstand common sense, to sit for four hours without getting up, to count words and people and only remember their names, to listen closely to what loons could be trying to say, to permutate dots so that lines are never identical to each other, to return to known places and act always the same, thus the slightest change might become apparent, to force things to happen, to pretend there's meaning when all that comes out is My dog loves me, and he's no showboat. To think there's nothing to say. 
to leap from canopy to can openers to can open her. You've begun. Now use your props. For Rose to be, we need a celebrity. In a library with at least 11 windows, less than 11 women who knew each other not told each other secrets that were meant, at some point, to be public. Who'd like to be Oprah? When a secret comes, it is not silent unless it's not even a secretion. Saliva is not interchangeable with ink. I am purposeless, the secret cried, but words were meant to imprint themselves on the mind of the woman whose stomach kept making discomforting noises. How about Charlie? It should have been decreed that every Friday they tell each other secrets. The problem was that they gathered secretly in a semicircle and nobody was comfortable giving orders. A voice said, Time's up! But it was only a voice waiting for the minutes to elapse. Tell me what Sophia is thinking and I'll tell you what Sandra is about to write, bartered Kara to no effect. What fun this is, or can be, thought Jessica of telling Linda. Billy muttered to herself. This next poem um, is, is based on responses to um, a question that I asked a bunch of people. And then I realized that the question was, uh, I, thought, I thought it was kind of risky or gutsy. And, and then I realized that there was a whole radio show on NPR devoted to that question. I won't tell you what it is, but you will probably recognize it. And so um, I decided to just change it, change, change it around. But it's all based on people's responses to the question. I am a retriever. I believe in the potential that your idea is more important than who you are. I was born to give all that has been repudiated in me. My reality is more potential than who I am. I don't say what to know. I'm an optimist, and my optimism allows me to retrieve. I'm a retriever when it comes to faith. Destiny determines my faith. I retrieve many things. Others, the us inside of others, the calling of one's mystery... Only this can move you. You have to retrieve movement and change as opposed to immobility. I retrieve resistance, the language of advertising, of mass media. I've never thought of defining myself as a retriever. I'd say more yes than no. I retrieve mountains. I am not a retriever if we're talking about God. I retrieve all the rest, though. Oh, yes, I'm a retriever, a complete believer in retrieving. I retrieve silence. I retrieve trees. At one point in my life, I tried to stop retrieving, and I found I wasn't able to completely. My reality is what I retrieve. I retrieve myself, not today, but usually. Not other people, really. I retrieve the underlying wisdom verbalizing human experience. I have humanity in a certain faith that people have. I retrieve enthusiasm. That word? What do you mean, more or less? I retrieve that there is a soul, that souls have a human being. Maybe the word is not the right soul. Retrieval has the reality to make power. That word, retriever, to me sounds like a marketing slogan. Let me put it this way. Retrieval in our culture is simply a screen for other things. I go back to one of my favorite quotes in Wittgenstein. 
Understanding is a vague concept. How much do you need to retrieve? When the sun goes down, it comes up again in a certain place. If the president said the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, I would begin to have doubts. If it was just him, that was a problem, but it's not. It's all of us. We're all complicit. That's what I retrieve. It's not what I think. It's what I retrieve. I retrieve, and often, ask anyone. A lot of the work that I've done is... is um, as a, a lot of the work that I've done as a writer has to do with translation, regardless of whether I'm actually translating someone else's work or I'm using translation as a point of departure for other projects. So I'm going to read you some poems based on, on translation. And the first one is called Bankrupt Books, a Collage. And what it is is um, I took all the, all, the lists, all the titles of books in a New York Times book review bestseller list and I translated those into their antonyms, their exact, their exact opposites. So they became, instead of bestsellers, bankrupt books. <clears throat> Sister. An old trick. TV viewers think to themselves. A chain of skits. It's all concealed. The lion's hunter. Who brought me milk? George. Man of sleazy shoes. Lazy bum. Self-destructive loser. Beetles of a sinking moon. From the beginning of times, the potato generation. The liberator of Azkaban. Bridget Jones, stupidity's limit. Talk shows. Days after days of oblivion. The stories of a death penalty administrator. Ridiculous accounts of beguiling idiocy. Where they don't belong. Mediterranean sun, orange trees, Ocean, the art of dullness, Sundays on a couch, a retrograde rock star. The celebrity speaks, feeding on refuse for optimum decay. Decomposing body, decrepit mind, sabotage monogamy. Stars, an evaluation of self-hate. Have an awful time, Beowulf. <laughs> This is a translation of Buñuel film. It's um, one of the films that are not very well known because it, it actually is, is just a, you know, it's a melodrama. It's one of those Mexican melodramas that um, there's very little that's surreal about this film. And um, I titled, it's, the, the film is called A Woman Without Love. And so my piece is called To and No Fro. In order of appearance. Adjective one, Devoted. Verb one, endure. Noun, waltz. Adverb, never. Adjective two, incestuous. Article, an. Adjective three, pregnant. Verb two, burst. Cameo appearances, ghost wearing cat eyeglasses. Plot summary. To help her poor parents, she accepts to... To have at least someone in her life to. To teach their son a lesson her husband is compelled to. To escape from his mean father, her son had to. The ghost runs away with her son, takes a bus to the country. 
To return the kid to his parents, an engineer drives to. To thank him, they want him to. To return their hospitality, in turn, the engineer has him over to. To pass time while her tardy husband returns, she and the engineer start to. A trio of drunks in the background intones, De que sirve querer con todo el corazón. A few months later. To break free from her oppressive situation, she's willing to. To avoid causing her ailing husband a heart attack, she's forced to. To appease her guilty conscience and make her family happy, too. To move on, the engineer goes to, to, to. Caught in an embrace, the ghost strangles her husband. Twenty years later. Waltz at the graduation party, later the sight of empty bottles and food platters. The ghost dances mambo at the party with a beautiful young woman. To deliver bad and good news, a notary public comes to... To show love for the son he never met, the engineer bequeaths to... To avenge the older brother for rejecting her, the nurse says to... To confirm the rumors, he stays up to... To punish his mother, he tears up what to, to, to. The ghost slaps the son and says, Dile adiós a tu mamacita, desgraciado. The husband dies. One son marries, another goes to. To remember her beloved, she is destined to. To knit, sit facing the photograph, to. The ghost dances the cha-cha, suffocates, collapses. La viuda emparedada, empar ida ida, claustrophilica, contoured, immured, the double widow, windowless, without. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. These next poems are other translations, and they are based on a book of poems, of some poems included in this book that Paul Hoover wrote called Poems in Spanish. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, it's an interesting concept. He wrote these poems as if he were a, a, a poet writing in Spanish, a Latin American poet, really not from Spain, a Latin American poet, but he doesn't read Spanish and he doesn't speak Spanish. So I was sitting at the audience where he, when he um, read these poems and I went, huh, oh, this is material for me. So I, I asked him if I could translate them and he said, sure. And, and then um, what I did was take every line of his and look for poems by actual Latin American poets that had something to do with the lines that he was constructing. And so then these became, in my, in my opinion, real poems in Spanish, although they're in English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's two of these. Bite its heart until it learns. One doesn't know a thing about what poets, the blind, hookers call mystery. Nada. One can't say anything. My chest, then my heart, my senses in my chest, your mouth, your lips, your teeth, your tongue. The earth will keep on spinning in its precise orbit. The earth that is the earth and the sky like the rose, rose but stone. Conscience is bitterness, a tragic concept. Never did the sky have as many roads as this one. The road becomes diluted in the desolate shadows. 
Some words have the shade of a tree. When all the meat isn't meat anymore, nor the soul, let's turn to the silence of words that come from silence. She didn't know how to dress, so she was undressed. A scream at 11, looking for a policeman. Look at my hands, transparent like light bulbs, that ray of light moving toward the bottom of the water. Between us and this century, there will be free association of ideas, despite our format. I don't think I betray my principles if I say without bad intentions that you have to have an ostrich stomach to swallow such filth. I bet nobody dares drink a cup of holy water. Poem in Spanish. The grave has more power than the eyes of the beloved. An open grave with all its magnets. This weight on the wings. The sky is waiting for an airship. I have the feeling that I haven't got much life left. Three hours after the celestial attack. Why don't I respond when I'm being offended? Because my religion doesn't allow me to. Exterior maps, geography. Interior maps, psychography. And in your hard cathedral, I kneel. Mountains pass, camels pass, like the history of wars and antiquity. Of all the men I am, I can't find any one of them without the control of the intruding eye. Problems. Mysteries that fasten themselves to my chest. All I want is not to see businesses, nor gardens, nor markets, nor eyeglasses, nor elevators. In order to serve all radio listeners, without discriminating between social classes, I speak a tongue that fills hearts with the laws of communicating clouds. I have my brain, or whatever it is, full of skull moths. For the world to go on being what it is, it must perforce take another form. True poems are fires. When something cherished burns, instead of the fireman I call, rushes forth the incendiary. It says, live, live, live. It is death. Okay, now I'm going to read you a couple of poems that belong to a series called Imperfect Utterances. And this series, it's long, I'm just going to read you two poems, but it's dedicated to all those public speakers who make unintended noises during their mic'd readings, performances or speeches, and to all those private speakers who strive to speak fluently about matters that resist articulation. Plosive letter. To be read into a microphone, making all the peas pop. (laughs) Estimado señor presidente, permítame ser abrupta y pedirle que haga algo para que se prohíba El maltrato. <laughs> a los trabajadores inmigrantes. You just have to imagine it. You really do need a mic for this. Maybe, maybe I should just move on. Most of it is in Spanish. Is it, is it working now? Okay. Okay. Here we go again. Estimado señor presidente. Oh. See, this is the thing with technology. This microphone is designed for perfect delivery. I can't read this poem. Okay. It's okay.
I'll, um, I'll put it online somewhere. <laughs> so visit my website. Um, the one thing in English, it's about um, vigilantes. So if you like the Minuteman Project and are interested in vigilantes, look this poem up. Um, okay. So another imperfect under, uh, utterances. Uh, this, this actually was more imperfect than I thought, which is quite marvelous. <laughs> Cease to stutter, sing-song. No, no, sino. No, no, sino, sí. No, sí, sino. No, sí, sino, no. Si, no, sí, no. Si, no, sí, no, no. Si, sí, no. Si, no, sí. Si, no, no. Si, no. No, sí. Si, no, no, no. Si no, no, sí. Si no, 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 sí. Si no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, sí. No, 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 sino no, no. No, sí, no, sino sí, no. Sí, no. Now, believe it or not, all of this means something different. Every phrase I read you. And I will read you a translation. Not no, but... Not no, but yes. Not yes, but... Not yes, but no. If yes isn't the case, then no. If yes isn't the case, then the ninth. If yes is the case, then no. If no is the case, then yes. If it's yes, then no. If it's no, then yes. Fate, no. Indeed, no. No, or indeed. If the ninth, then no. If the ninth, then yes. If it's not the ninth, then yes. If it's not the ninth, then no. The ninth, no. The ninth, indeed. Not two no's, but the ninth. And yes and no, but fate. Fate. Okay. Now I'll end with a poem called A Line as Object to Play With. And that line is taken from a Venezuelan, well, a German artist who ended up in Venezuela after World War II. Her name is Gertrude Goldschmidt, but she went by the name of Gego. She took the first syllable in the first name and the first syllable in her last name, and she came up with the name Gego. And her work is absolutely stunning. It's all based on lines. She does works on paper, and then she does sculptures and paperless drawings. And so she takes wires and all kinds of found objects that are lines and, and constructs these pieces. And she ties really interesting webs. So... Um, and environments, they're really environments that you can experience. So I wrote this poem, um, just taking, taking her idea of a line as object to play with. A fishing line should be visible to whoever fishes and invis- invisible to fish. It should be tensile, sensitive, and prone to sink. For it to be effective, it should have low spool memory and a refractive index similar to waters. Limp fishing lines should be avoided. Headlines are broad. They end in a hook intended to direct one's attention to the slighter clusters of lines that they announce. A party line is thick throughout and very straight. It functions as a barrier demarcating space in front and in back of it. Wherever it is placed, it will have the same splitting effect. By its nature, it can only divide things in two, and so encourages binary thinking. A receiving line has two extremities per each of the points comprising it. 
These extremities, in turn, end up in five radiating extremities each. What is peculiar about receiving lines is that each of the points of this horizontal formation is part of a vertical line that splits in two at the bottom in order to provide mobility and support. <laughs> a hot line is a virtual line that, instead of extremities, has numbered extensions. It's a conductor of sensitive information from one person to another. Subway lines tend to look more or less the same, with a few exceptions. Yet they are artificially colored so as to make traveling easier for subway riders. Often the roots of subway lines of the same color have more in common with the roots of subway lines of a different color than among themselves. So many a times the coloring system ends up confusing riders more than helping them. Subway lines are not as straight as they seem, yet often they are too straight for their own good. They could be more interconnected so, to, so as to avoid that riders have to travel downtown in order to go back uptown or have to travel into a different borough to go to a destination in their own borough. A punchline is a spiral whose perimeter keeps winding inward. A credit line appears much sturdier than it is. It has multiple joints attaching it to a variety of other lines. It tends to appear slender at the beginning, but it's prone to becoming impassable at its end. Lifelines are powerful metaphors. A line of thought keeps branching off in multiple directions, no matter how much one tries to contain it. Nothing prevents a line of thought from going in circles. Family lines coil around other family lines, coiled around other family lines, so much so they shouldn't qualify as lines. <laughs> a hairline only appears to be a line from a distance. If one looks close, one can see all the, dis all the disconnected and not even aligned points forming it. From these points, hair follicles spring forth what, to the naked eye, appear as true lines that can take on many different colors, even in one single strand. Laugh lines are shadows, the result of an optical illusion. One can only trace them from a distance. Up close, there are many different small and interrupted furrows sinking into the skull. An assembly line is not unlike its reverse, the slaughterhouse's disassembly line, where animals are butchered as they move along a conveyor. Natural impulses are dispensed with in an assembly line designed to streamline serial production. Its parts are replaceable. A deadline tends to be more elastic than it appears to be. <laughs> Power lines do not follow the urban grid. They can be slender or almost tubular, a deep black or a charcoal gray blending with the facades of buildings. They can dangle and loop down or be taut and resist gravity. They can crisscross streets and blocks or they can run parallel to them. They tend to cluster together and become intricately entwined at the posts holding them up. They are always above pedestrians, so even though most think that power lines function as markers of urban space, if seen from below, they are more like a loose-knit and non-hierarchical through, mesh through which to contemplate the open sky. They tend to collect miscellaneous objects, bits of plastic, pairs of sneakers tied by their shoelaces, and birds. A horizon line is a welcoming perimeter that can only be seen from above or if one is at the margins of a given terrain. A borderline is itself always on the verge of being something else. A fine line is no line. It is a hazy area in which everything looks like it's opposite, which is the reason why here a zone can appear to be a line in the first place. The bottom line is wide enough to be a band. Everyone can see it clearly except for the person standing on it. A timeline is dense in the middle 
and fuzzy at its edges. You've been listening to a podcast from University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Thank you for listening.